So we're going into uh, back into Matthew. So we've been talking about giving. Last week before last, we talked about praying. And so Jesus is going to kind of finish up talking about fasting here. And so I'm amazed some, a lot of times how God works a sermon series is out for me. Because a lot of times I don't even know what the plan is and he just kind of works it out. So according to the liturgical calendar, so Tuesday is Mardi Gras or Fat Tuesday, right? which means Wednesday is going to be Ash Wednesday. So if you haven't got your king cakes yet... Make sure you get one. Um, we, it's usually that's not a thing out here. If you live in the South, especially on the on the Gulf Coast, uh, that's a big thing from Louisiana all the way to Mobile. Uh, apparently, Mobile has a bigger, longer history of of Mardi Gras really than than, than uh, New Orleans. Just New Orleans is the bigger the bigger party spot, essentially, right? So it's almost Lent because that's what Ash Wednesday starts to signifies the start of Lent, which is the forty days before Easter. And so a lot of times people give up something. Now we as, as, uh, as Baptists, we generally don't celebrate Lent or it's not, a, it's not a bigger deal as some of our other liturgical brethren, the Presbyterians, the Catholics, you know, the Anglicans, those, the, church, the churches like in those denominations, right? But a lot of times we kind of do do it, we, I think I've mentioned it usually, right? So usually somebody gives up something, so we, we kind of fast, right? You're fasting for something, so beforehand... Back in the ancient church, before uh, Easter, they would prepare themselves for that, that 40 days. That's really what it was to basically join the church. So if you said you become a Christian, you know, in May or June, you had to wait all the way till basically February, you know, February, March, or whatever it was, however the calendar worked out. And then you would start your preparations and you would start fasting and doing these things before you got baptized on Easter Sunday, right? And so... Fasting for us, it's, it's one of these things in our culture that, especially as, for Christianity, though a lot of people don't really do it. We don't necessarily understand it. There's a lot of health benefits to it anyway. There's a lot of medical research kind of being done that fasting is, is beneficial for you just from a physical standpoint, right? Because we, as Baptists, like to eat, right? It's one of our things, that kind of a stereotype in a way, right? We have potlucks, which we haven't had one for a while, so we're kind of... We may be getting our Baptist card pulled. I'm not really sure. So we probably need to have a few more scheduled just to make sure. Right. But think about how much of our daily life or our kind of just even well, our yearly calendar, in a sense, revolves around food. Right. People come over. We have meals. We have big gatherings, Thanksgiving, Christmas, Easter dinners, you know, 4th of July picnics, Memorial Day picnic. Um, Labor Day picnics, you know, hot dogs, hamburgers, whatever it is around here. It's tri-tip, right? We just go a bit of, we did one last night on the grill, got a big chunk of meat, cooked it up, right? So a lot of our stuff, and even in the Bible, there's a lot of stuff that revolves around food. So we are, of course, we need food to eat or we need food to live. It's one of the four basic things that we need that you're kind of taught probably as kids, at least I was. Um, so it's sometimes seems a little backwards when we're basically going to give up something that helps us live. Right? You say, well, I don't want to fast. I need food. Right? And I'm, by the way, I like food. So I don't really want to give it up because that means I'm giving up something I love. But there's more to it. When we do those things, we make those kind of decisions. Right? We're doing something different than what everybody else is doing. And we're not just doing it for health benefits, but we're doing it 
you know, we're going to see in the main point, but I'll, I'll kind of give it up right now. You don't have to turn to it. You don't have to turn, change the slide, Mason, but you know, the main point is the fasting is about denying ourselves. Denying that carnal, not, carnal need for food and hunger, you know, to get, satisfy that, that beast. You know, the, if you've seen the Super Bowl commercial, right, they have the, the Snickers commercials where they, they said the world is going topsy-turvy. So they created a hole, a Snickers hole, and they throw people in the Snickers hole. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the world starts running itself. So they say that the world is now happy right now. It's kind of going back to the sacrificing people to the volcano, I guess, or whatever. But, but that, right, even the world is hungry, apparently, so it needs something to eat to, to be there, right? So we know when we don't eat, we get hungry or we can. We get angry. So let's go ahead and look at how Jesus, and he's going to follow the same kind of formula that we're going to see as we unpack this, but he's going to follow the same formula. He's warning us of what not to do and then how to do it. So there's only three verses. It's real simple, and, and you see it on your outline. So this is what Jesus says about, about how to fast. This is Mark, or Matthew chapter 6, verse 16, starting there. Whenever you fast, don't be gloomy like the hypocrites, for they make their faces unattractive so that their fasting is obvious to people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting isn't obvious to others, but to your, excuse me, your father who's in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Right, so it's the same formula. Don't be gloomy like the hypocrites. Don't, you know, don't make a big deal about it. Don't make a show. They're going to get their reward, and you're going to get your reward when you do, do it in secret. You basically don't tell anybody that you're fasting, right? So here's the main point again. Fasting is about denying the self or yourself, if you want to write it right down that way, in order to be more like Christ. Right? We are denying something that is so basic, especially if, especially if we're talking about food. Right? That's, we're kind of going to talk more about the food part. We're also going to see how that rolls into other things. But when we fast from something, and we can do, it can be pretty much anything, we are denying something that we want or need in order to be more like Christ. So I have three things, three points on the outline. So when you fast, why you fast, and we're going to look at the types of fasts and sort of how do you apply this to your life? How can you do this maybe if you've never done it? Because um, it seemed like the Puritans and the ancient church, things like that, they would, they would still continue to, to fast or have fasting days things like that. I'm not sure where it has fallen off at. I know other people, I think actually I saw something about the pastor's conference and there's some tumult going on with some of the pastor's conference for this, this year's convention for the SBC. So the head of the president of, the, of that uh, organization, the pastor's conference for the year, he said, I'm going to pray and fast to kind of get a good resolution for this, right? And see where God wants me to go. And so people still do it. It's just maybe not talked about, maybe not just used as, as much as, a, as maybe a tool that we have available to use us, right? So, so Jesus is talking at first, though, in verse 16 of when you fast, right? So it's, again, same thing, when you pray, when you give, when you fast, right? These are kind of expectations. He's saying you're going to do this at some point. He doesn't say how often. He doesn't say for why necessarily. He doesn't say when. He just says whenever you do it, right? So it's up to us, right? We get some freedom here to do this whenever we need to do it, and we're going to talk about why here in the next couple, in the, in the next few minutes, right? But so again, he's talking about this piety, right? He wants us to be pious, right? So this piety now is what we kind of refer to in our time as the, the buzzword, if you want to call it that, is spiritual formation, right? We're, we're really working on, Jesus is looking at how am I forming you spiritually 
right? And he's giving us his expectations here for us, and he's shaping it kind of you know, with his hands and our clay. We're the clay. He's, he's molding us, right? He's saying, this is what I want from you guys. This is what I want you guys to do. Because he is concerned with what goes on the inside of each of his children almost more so than he is concerned with what goes on the outside. Because what goes on the inside, right, our inner practices drive our outer practices. So if we're selfish, we are going to fast selfishly and we're going to look gloomy and say, oh, I haven't eaten for a week. I haven't eaten all day because I'm fasting. It's my fasting day. Oh, right? And people make a big deal about this. People do this and we see this like, oh, good for you. You know, it must be terrible. Look, you look miserable. Why would you do that? Right? Instead, he's saying, look. Anoint yourself with oil. Take a shower. Clean up. Right? We're seeing verse 17. Clean yourself up. Look normal. Go about your daily business. Don't make a big deal about it. If somebody offers you some food, you could probably say, hey, you know what? No, thank you. I'm fasting. And that's it. That's the end of it. You don't make a big deal. You just kind of politely decline the, the food offer. And that's it. You don't go, oh, I'm on a 40-day fast. I'm on this. I'm doing that. You know, it's, it's, unless maybe they're believers, maybe you can get more into that. But you're not making a big deal about it. And again, he says, when you fast, right? Matthew 16, Matthew 6, 16, right? So you got to remember the picture, right? He's, Jesus is sitting here on this plateau. He's sitting up on this mountain with the crowd gathered around him. And a lot of these people probably didn't have a whole lot of food anyway. So they're like fasting. I haven't eaten for three days because I don't have any food. Let alone like I'm on a natural, I'm on a natural fasting diet all the time. Like when I get food, it's a joy, it's a joy right? So you gotta, gotta remember, this is probably a little confusing to them. They're like, we don't need a whole lot unless we can catch the fish or, you know, whatever. Because they never talk about hunting in the Bible or anything like that, so I'm not really sure where they would get their food. There's no grocery stores. They gotta go to the market. But again, he's pointing them to the, to the Pharisees and maybe some of the other maybe well-off people who do have access to food all the time, and they're making a big deal about this, right? You can picture them, right? They're straining to hear his words, probably, right? They're outside, so if, if Jesus is over by the fence and we're over here, we can't hear him very well probably, but that's why he did choose the mountain where he was at because it acted more like a natural amphitheater most likely, right? So it can kind of amplify his sound. The acoustics work a little better outside, right? But Jesus says, the hypocrites, right? The crowd knows who Jesus is referring to, right? It may be the Pharisees. It, it most likely, most of the time when he says the hypocrites, he's talking about the Pharisees and the religious people, but it may be the person sitting next to them as well who puts on a show to prove how pious they are even in their little little uh, striation or their little strata of where they live. Like, oh, I'm more pious than you. I'm fasting because I want to, not because I'm poor, not because I'm starving. right? And they may try to get over on because that's how people, that's, it's sometimes things become a competition. And it shouldn't be, right? So for Jews, though, because fasting was understood that it was something that has taken place throughout the history, they know Moses fasted for 40 days. Daniel fasted when he, when he, uh, he, he resisted certain foods from, from you know, the, the king's table. Right? He said, I don't go, only give me the fruits and vegetables. Don't give me the meat because it was sacrificed to other gods. Right? So Elijah fasted also. Right? And so it was customary for the Pharisees, though. They took it, again, they took it to a different level. They would typically fast on Mondays and Thursdays. Right? So they would refrain from food but not drink. So... I get it. It's hot in the desert. You want to make sure you're staying hydrated. You want to keep water. And water keeps you full as well. I had, I had a friend who did, who did a, I think he said he did a two-month fast just with nothing but water. And he lost a lot of weight 
He was he was uh, he ended up becoming a pastor and going to the Philippines. That be this was back in the nineties. Um, but yeah, so he did a 60-day fast. He said after a while, it was no big deal. Um, getting back on food was a little bit more difficult because you got to start on like soup and whatnot. But um, it's possible to do this, right? But Mondays and Thursdays, you could probably see the, the crowd go, oh yeah, it's Wednesday. Or the, the Pharisees are going to come into town on Thursday looking all gloomy, their face all covered in ash. I'm like, oh, I'm fasting. I'm so I'm fast. I'm tired. I'm fasting. Because, right? you know, if you don't eat, you think you get real tired and things like that after their hard day of work and things like that. Even though they, didn't, they weren't laborers, so they could do that. Because, you know, if you're working in the, in the cement factory, you can't just not eat. Because right? you'll get weak and drop blocks on your toes and break them, things like that. But these guys didn't have a real job necessarily, right? They're pastors. They only work on, on Saturdays or Sundays. Right? They only work on the weekends. That's what we do. The rest of the week, we're off. So we have time to do these things. But he's saying, look, if you want to have a set day, that's completely fine. That's not the issue. Right, that's good if you want to do that and say, you know what, Monday, every Monday I'm going to fast. Every Saturday I'm going to fast. Whatever day it is, whatever works for you, that's fine. But again, don't make a big deal about it. Don't look like you're miserable. Don't look like you're, you, know, you're, you hate it. Right? It's like, oh, why am I? Because people are going to say, if they're, not, if they're not believers, they're going to say, well, then why do you do it? Right? Why are you going to church if you're miserable to go to church? Why are you doing this if you're just, you hate it? Like, I don't want to do that. You're dragging me into your weird cult and make me not eat. And you're miserable when you talk about it. Uh, that's not for me. I want to go to McDonald's and eat after whatever I want to do when I get up. You know, so what we do, how we do these things and why we do it is important for the people who don't understand. And so, again, the fasting is, is important, right? So Nehemiah fasted for confession and repentance and favor in the sight of the king to get permission to rebuild the walls. Right, so there's certain times in your life we're going to cover it a little bit where, where there are times when we fast, right? Because so it's an expectation while we're waiting for things to hear from the Lord, right? Where if we need an answer, we're looking for something. We want to know things. If we want God to intervene for things like David did in, in Psalm 35 and Second Samuel, right? Even Mordecai and the Jews they fasted upon hearing the news of Haman's wicked plot for their extermination. In the book of Esther, right? like we need a God, what are we going to do? This guy wants to wipe us out. So what are we going to do, right? So, so the early church was fasting when they, and they were worshiping and they were committing their ministry to the Lord, right? So they said, how do we do this, right? Book of Acts. So they sought the Lord through fasting for guidance and confirmation and the appointment of elders. Right? So this is a way where they were really getting serious and say, I don't even want to be distracted by eating, because I'm trying to get a hold of God to say, what do you want me to do? I don't want to listen. I really want to listen and be filled up with you so I know what to do. I know what I'm supposed to be doing. And so Jesus expects, expects his disciples, he expects us to fast, but it's not a commandment. So if you're not fasting, if you've never fasted in your life for religious purposes, doesn't mean you lose your salvation, doesn't mean you're... you're you're a bad Christian, right? It's not something that we necessarily do because just, like I said, we're Baptists, so we like to eat anyway, things like that, right? So it's, it's just something that we don't necessarily, it's not emphasized in the American church, I'll say, for the most part, as far as I know. A lot of churches we've been in, they've never done it necessarily or anything like that. So this may be foreign for some people or at least, you know, kind of the stuff may be different or, or they're just kind of, 
it's out there. Some people do it, but I don't. And so again, when you do it, this is why you're doing it, right? He's asking us, though, to suspend our need for something that is one of the basic human needs, right? When I remember in elementary school, they tell you, like, second, third grade, the four basic things you need, right? Food, water, shelter, and clothing. That's what you need to live. In air, yeah, and there's always kind of the, the fifth one is kind of in between there, right? So, so I, I, maybe it's a given or something like that, but you, you can live a lot. You don't have to have food. You can live at least for seven days without having anything to eat at all. Now, people do it longer. Um, water, you can only go like two or three days, usually they say. Um, but you can have coffee, I don't know. So when it works. Uh, obviously, you need a house. You need, you need clothes on your back, right? Those are the things that we need. So we were saying, hey, you know what? I don't, I don't want that. I don't need that one main thing that, that everybody else is telling me it's important. But why, though? Because this is not forever. We know we, we can, I can suspend eating for a couple days, and then once you get used to it, it's not a big deal. And, and you can live that way. You don't have to have it. You don't have to have food because it's not a permanent thing. Like, I know I can go eat. Like, my, I'm going to break my fast in the morning, right? That's what we call it breakfast. That's what it means, break your fast. Uh, we just kind of shorten the English part of it for breakfast, but, but we know at some point I'm going to break my fast. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fast Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, so on Thursday I'll, I'll have something to eat. Uh, I'm back to being normal. You know, maybe I got the answer I needed, or I'm just, that's all I'm going to try for it this time, right? So, because here's why, though. God wants us to control our fleshly impulses and desires, right? He wants us to control our flesh. He wants our spirit you know, being led by the Holy Spirit to control what we do. Because if we can do that with food, if we can suspend our stomach from telling us, hey, I'm hungry, we can do the same thing for other things. We can now stop saying, you know, swear words, we'll say. We can stop acting a certain way. We can stop doing a whole bunch of things that are not Christian-like. Because now I'm teaching my body, I'm, I'm developing the discipline, right, to do these things and say, all right, I can control this basic need. So I can control a bunch of other stuff that is actually like higher level functions, but I can get around it. So Romans uh, chapter 7, verse 21 through 25, and has a, is, I have it on the slide here. The next slide should be. There we go. So we're learning, we're using it, we're using a new system, so it's a little, might be a little slower. But Paul says this, he says, so I find this law at work, and he's talking about the kind of the, the war between Earthly, per, earthly man or fleshly man and spiritual man. He says, I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me. Waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Right? And, and, and I'm not saying hunger is a sin, but you can kind of equate the, the metaphor a little bit. Right? If we can control our hunger, we can start working on sin because we can be filled up with God to control our, our hunger to satisfy our needs, our physical needs. And all of a sudden, we don't care about the sin. I don't care about the food. Right? I don't care what is out there. I'm happy with God. I'm content with God, his living word, the living bread, the living water, all these things I'm happy with because God has delivered me. He's delivered you through Jesus Christ of the sacrifice on the cross. And that is more satisfying than any meal you could get at any 
Michelin starred restaurant. And so Jesus wants us to fast and not make a big deal about it. And so when we are fasting, or we're not telling anybody, right, you may have to tell your wife or some others when they ask you to have lunch or dinner, but, but, you know, but that, and that may bring the question up of, of why do you fast? Right? Why are you going to do this? Why are you going to suspend this thing? So in verse 17 and 18, Jesus says, But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. That's really the motivation right there. That's kind of the why we fast, because we want to please God. We want to know what is going on. We don't care about what others think. You know, they may say that's crazy to go on a 60 or 40 or even a five-day fast if you've never done it. That may seem like pe people say, well, that's just weird. That's crazy. Why would you do that? Because I want to know something, and we're going to get down to the types of fast. We're going to get into some more of the why here in a minute, but that's really what it is. I want to know more about God. I want to make room, kind of like the song we sung, I want to make room for you. Right? If you buy new furniture, what do you got to do with the old furniture? You got to throw it out or you get rid of it. You give it away. Whatever you got to do, right? You, gotta, you can't have your old TV stand with your new TV stand next to it and go, what am I going to do with it? Right? I need to get rid of the old one. I need to get rid of one of them. And we just bought this new one. So let's use that, right? Because it's nicer and it's shinier and it works better. And so in his book, um, Spiritual Disciplines, Donald Whitney explains that a fast is the voluntary denial of a normal function for the sake of intense spiritual activity. Right? It's the voluntary denial of a normal function for the sake of intense spiritual activity. Right? So it doesn't always deal with food, although a lot of times when we talk about fasting, that's kind of what people go to automatically Right, with Lent. I'm going to give up chocolate for Lent. Don't know why anybody would really want to give up chocolate that long, but whatever. Um, right? But, but there's other things, right? So sometimes, uh, Whitney says, sometimes we may need to fast from involvement with other people or from the media, from the telephone, from talking, from sleep, whatever it is, whatever is consuming your life, video games for your kids or grandkids, you know, uh, social media now, politics, you know, just anything of the news, anything like that. You're like, dude, I, I'm on overload with with political news back and forth or whatever. I, I can't take it. I need, to, I need to get rid of it for a while, right? So you can you do this. You get rid of these things. So you can be, become more absorbed in a time of spiritual activity, right? Because if you are doing things and you're constantly watching politics, and, and I bring that up only because it's, that's what's going on right now with the, with the elections and whatnot for this year, right? That's what's going on. So that's what we see a lot more of. And you can only take so much. Some, we, some of us have a bigger capacity for it, but at the same time, it's like, you guys are telling me the same story, and it's not a good story. I need a break, because you know why? I'm, I'm watching that more than I'm reading my Bible. I'm, I'm watching that more than I'm praying. I'm eating this more than I'm doing that, right? And so you want to replace these things. And so to put it another way, simply, that fasting is a way to clean out your garage or your closet. Get rid of the things, right? They say every six months you should clean. If you haven't used it in six months, get rid of it, except for books. So don't, I know where you're going with that. <clears throat> right? So if you haven't used it in six months, get rid of it. Or figure out why you haven't used it, right? Or you can rotate with your kids' toys. We think we did that for a little while. We would kind of rotate their toys around. And they were like, oh, new toys, yay. He's like, that's the same toys you got last year, but you just forgot about them. 
right? Because the thing is that we want to get rid of anything that clutters up your soul and your mind that keeps you away from God. Anything that gets in there, right? It's spring is kind of why I like, I like the, the slide just because it was the cows in the spring and we eat cows and they're tasty, right? And it's, but it's springtime, right? So it's spring cleaning, right? It's, it's, we're here to clean up. It's, it's going to be clean up, you know, clean up time pretty soon. We're, we're getting a list together of stuff we need to get rid of and have the, the garbage guys come and take because it's just been there forever and we have to get rid of it. And this stuff gets in our life and we don't think about it necessarily. It just gets in there and we need, to, we need a break. It's, it's, like, it's almost like a vacation, right? Because we only have so much time and energy, right? You can only do so many things at once. Right? So we, if we spend our time and energy on worldly things and activities that we have to attend to because life happens, right? Life is life. Then it causes us to drift away from our center line. Right? It causes us to, for us to drift away from where we're supposed to be focused on God every day right here in the middle. And we can't be too far left. We can't be too far right. So our focus should always be on God, right? But when he can't, or when it can't, or isn't, right, fasting along with prayer can help us reset where we're going, right? Sometimes if you've laid tile or things like that, you've got to snap a chalk line, and it's just chalk dust, so it, it kind of gets worn away after a few, few minutes of working, so you've got to re-snap it so you know exactly where to put your tile so it doesn't go that way, because... You're lopsided and you're putting it down and you're just going this way like you think it's a straight line and all of a sudden, like now your tile's at an angle because that's just the way it is now, right? Because we weren't paying attention to where it was supposed to be. So here are several reasons why we should fast. So here's the first one is repentance and this one's a little bit longer. <clears throat> so we should do this because we need to repent. So Proverbs 28, 13 says, The one who conceals his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them will find mercy. So concealing your sin from God only serves as a roadblock to you and God. Adam and Eve tried to cover up what they had done when they ate the fruit, right? They tried to hide. God knew, was, knew where they were at. He knew it would, would happen. He, it wasn't a surprise to him. So... I'm on a, I'm, I'm a uh, J.R.R. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis kick lately. And so I watched, uh, I rewatched The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And so if you guys are familiar with it, uh, if you're not, I'll kind of give you a quick, quick thing. That's kind of the one everybody knows about the Tales of Narnia. It's really like the second or third book. Um, so the younger brother, Edmund, there's four kids. So Edmund is the third, third, uh, third child. He's the youngest boy. Um, so once they find, they go into Narnia, the kids go into the wardrobe, right? They go through the back and it's there in the forest. Um, he makes a deal with the white witch who is the bad guy. And he gives her information about the Narnians helping the humans, right? He's like, yeah, oh yeah. Mr. Tumnus, he's the guy. He's like, yeah, he was hanging out with my sister. So she goes and takes him and captures him, all these things. And he's giving all this information. And they're trying to figure this out. Like, how does she know what happened? How does she know where everybody's at? And so he's concealing, though, Edmund is concealing that he already told her all this information. He didn't tell them, like, oh, yeah, I ran into her in the forest and I told her. Because he didn't know who she was, to be fair. Right? He didn't know who she was at the time. And so he's just kind of giving out information. But finally, Edmund's secret is revealed that he was giving her information. And, so, and the worst part of it is, so once the white witch comes into Aslan's camp, right, the good guy's camp, she says, well, there's a traitor among you. He, he, she sells him out 
It says there's a traitor. He, he, he betrayed you. And so by the law, I am her, you know, she is allowed to, and she demands blood for this transgression. Right? So that's the sacrifice. You, you, there is a blood price to pay for being a traitor. And so C.S. Lewis calls it the deep magic. Right, so all this is kind of allegorical, right? So the deep magic is the law, the Old Testament law, things like that, right? <clears throat> but Aslan, he's the lion, right? He's the hero. He, he says he gives himself up instead of Edmund because Edmund repents. Edmund goes to Aslan and he repents. You kind of see in the movie, you kind of see a quick scene of Edmund looking very sad, looking very forlorn. You can kind of tell he just repented and asked his, for, for his, Aslan for his forgiveness, and so Aslan is, 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 he walks into the white witch's camp. They sacrifice the lion on, the, on this big stone tablet, this huge altar, basically. Um, even though Aslan was innocent. Right? Aslan is killed by the enemy, but he is resurrected then. And so he's talking to the two girls because they stayed with him. And he says, There's, there is a deeper magic still that she did not know because her knowledge only went back to the beginning of time. When a willing victim who had committed no treachery was killed in a traitor's stead, the table would crack and death itself would start to work backwards. That's what Jesus did for us. Right? The white witch represents Satan and Aslan represents Jesus, right? the lion of Judah. And so C.S. Lewis is nice because he's very obvious about most of the things he's trying to get across, right? It's, Tolkien makes you work for it a little more, but C.S. Lewis is like, here you go. It's just a cool story about the Bible with different names, right? Aslan knew things before the beginning of time because he was there, right? Jesus preexisted. He was not created. He was there before everything happened. Satan was an angel, and he's a created being, so he only knew from the point he arrived forward, right? And so we see this. So, but Jesus died for our sins so that we could come and repent of these sins and not bear the full punishment of God's wrath. Right? That is what his death on the cross did. He took the full wrath for us. Jesus was the innocent lamb. He was like Aslan who had no sin, but he took the punishment. But the way it works, that deeper magic that C.S. Lewis calls, calls it, right? Death itself would start to work backwards because he conquered death. That table cracked. Right? The, the temple was torn asunder when Jesus died. Right? The veil was torn. Everything happened. The rock was thrown up when he re was resurrected. Right? So he did this. Right? So repentance is one of these things that we can do to fast. Or when we fast, we can really get down to it and really kind of, I have no excuse but to tell you what I did. And so that's one of the most important things. Another thing that a couple of these are kind of together. So spiritual strength against an enemy attack and to break demonic bondage. And this is where... The apostles come back and say, we tried. We tried to throw the demon out, and we couldn't. And Jesus says, these are the kind that do not come out except by prayer and fasting. So you have to have a spiritual, if you're in spiritual warfare, this is kind of a way to get into it. So you can let the Holy Spirit fill you and fight the battle for you. Another reason to fast is to awaken a spiritual hunger for God that may have been dulled because of a desire for other things. We talked about that, right? Things are getting cluttery. Things are getting in the way of you and God. And so we can get away from all this stuff, right? And also to test and to see what desires control us, right? So if you stop eating something, like for Lent, if you, if you stop eating chocolate, and all of a sudden 40 days go by, you're like, hmm, I don't miss it. 
right? That, mean, that meant the, the chocolate or whatever it is you wanted to give up was controlling you, right? So you could do that and say, you know what? I don't need it. I, I can have a piece of chocolate and I can put it back. I can have one peanut butter cup and I'm happy. I don't need to eat 14 of them. Right, because that's what you desire. That's what you want, right? And also, the other thing is it it you forfeit good things for the better and the best. Um, I'm picky about I'm picky about certain things. One of them is peanut butter. I like Jeff. I only like Jeff. I will skip the Jeff if we don't have peanut butter. If we don't have Jeff, I won't eat peanut butter. It's just the way it is. We, we ran into this like early on in our marriage. I think, I think we bought Skippy one time because it was cheaper. I'm like, well, I'm not eating it. Right? And, and it's, it's a, it sounds a little trivial in a sense, but when we realize that God is the best thing, nothing else will do. Right? If I could afford a Lamborghini, that's what I would drive because it's the best car in my opinion, right? And there's a bunch of things. I love, the, I love our cars, whatever. But you know that, like, look, this is, I want this. I want this car. I want this thing. And I want, I want God. I want God in my life. I don't, want, I don't need anything else because everything else is second best. Another, another reason we do it is to express our ache for his return. And Jesus said, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Right? And we have this picture of heaven. It's going to be a feast, right? The, the, the wedding feast that we talk about, it's just things are everywhere. It's so plentiful. Right? We can kind of have this idea like, wow, that's going to be awesome. And we really can only think about it for like this much of what it really means to us. Right? But when he says, I have food that you have nothing about, that, that's, it means there's something better that we're just kind of giving up. Until, and if we're just kind of happy with the, the sugary knockoffs, then we're not going to get the real thing. Right? So another thing to do is to divide our bread with the poor. Right? So Isaiah 58 is actually a very interesting uh, passage about fasting and how it is about this is you're giving up things and so part of it is to, to house the homeless poor to loosen the bonds of wickedness and so let to let the oppressed go free right so he's saying look you need to fast so you can have things to give right and it kind of ties in with the first part of giving you can go without a little you can go without a little less so somebody else can have some too right and Jesus is the bread of life. He is the water of life as well, right? He's the living water. He is the sustenance for our souls that can take over the role of feeding our physical bodies. I think I've told this story before, but a lot of times our churches that we would have on Wednesday night, we would teach the Awanas and then the, like the other kids' class, and we were we didn't we didn't want to go you know long days or whatever. Like I don't want to go on Wednesday. It's, 20 minutes away or whatever it was. But when we were done, we were so happy, we were so fulfilled. Because we were doing God's work. We were there teaching the kids whatever they were supposed to learn. And we were so happy. Like, wow, we're so glad we came. Right? We were fulfilled. We didn't need anything else. That was what we wanted to do. It didn't matter if we, didn't, we skipped our TV shows or whatever it was. Right? It was, it was what we were made to do and what we were happy to do. And so if you've been deployed or if you've maybe been, a, been away for home, you know, like your home hometown or where you grew up, you know, you haven't had your favorite food for a long time, right? You're like, wow, I missed this thing from wherever I'm from. And then you tasted it the first time in a while, right? You know that it oftentimes tastes better than you remembered, right? And so that's the same thing. So when you fast, you come back to God, right? Because this fast makes you hunger for him. It should anyway. 
right, to hear him and to know him. And so this fasting will help you realize that God is better than anything else you could have. That's a good reminder that we have this for us, right? So there's, so what kind of fasts are there, though, that are there then? So there's three different fasts here that I found that are, they kind of wrap up everything. Um, the first one is a partial fast, right? So this is, uh, again, described in the book of Daniel, where for three weeks he abstained only from the delicacies, right? He didn't want to eat the meat and the wine. He said, I'll eat all the vegetables you can give me, right? But I'm not going to eat. So this, this could be something you pick. Like, I'm only, I'm not going to do any social media, or I'm not going to eat any food on Wednesdays or Mondays, whatever it is, right? I'm, I'm only going to do these things. It's just kind of a short-term thing, or maybe it's a long-term, but it's one specific item, right? Or maybe a couple items, right? But it's a partial fast. You're not just not eating. You're, you're, you're doing whatever. Because the next one is the supernatural fast. And so these are total fasts. So no food, either solid or liquid. So you can't eat like jello or anything like that. Um, and no water. So Paul went on an absolute fast for three days following his encounter with Jesus in Acts 9. Moses and Elijah engaged in supernatural fasts absolute fasts for 40 days so that's deuteronomy and first kings and so with all of this i want to say that make sure if you're going to do stuff you check with the doctor or whatever first to make sure you're okay to do this don't just well the pastor said i should fast when you find yourself in the hospital that's not good that's not what i'm saying I'm saying check with the doctor to make sure you're good with these things but so this supernatural fast should only be done with great care right our bodies cannot go without water for more than three days Right, so it's, these, are, these do become health issues, so I want to make sure that we keep healthy. Because if you're laid up in the hospital, you're, unless you're supposed to be there to talk to people about Jesus, which is possible, but I'd rather not have to come visit you in the hospital if I don't have to. Right, and the next one, though, is a complete fast, which is a water or juice fasting. So especially when fasting for an extended, extended period of time. Right? So juice fasts will provide you with more energy than water. Because right, water's just got water. The juices usually have some kind of sugar to kind of keep you going a little bit more. Um, but they still lead you in the humbling experience of denying yourself solid, chewable food, right? So we've been on keto off and on. Um, and one of the biggest things about eating keto-type food is there's not a lot of crunchy things. So like potato chips, things like that, right? So that's the thing you desire. These things like, man, I really want something crunchy. I don't kind of almost care what it is, right? So you, you figure out what you can eat. But... It's one of these things that you do this, and so you really realize, like, man, I, I really want to eat that, or I really don't want to eat this, or you've got to get tired of things, right? So, but when you fast in any forms, any of these forms, right, you're getting rid of things that maybe have taken over your life, right? And for all of us, it's probably something different, right? All of us, we could probably have something we can abstain from, right? It's, again, it's Lent. It's going to be Lent, so if you want to do the 40-day thing of getting rid of it, right, it's a good challenge to do. Again, don't do the 40 days without food, without checking. Um, start small as well. But these are the ways you can do this and kind of see what you really need and don't need in your life. All right, so in, so in conclusion, though, in, in one of his sermons, uh, Charles Spurgeon says, Everything you do, whether it be self-examination, fasting, meditation, or prayer, do all under the shadow of Jesus' cross. Or otherwise, no matter how you live, your peace will be but a sorry thing. And so this, was a, this is from a devotional thing about peace, but if we're doing these things, if we're fasting, meditating, praying, 
for the wrong reasons under, the, under then being under Jesus' rule and authority, then we're just kind of doing something for a diet, right? Especially for the fasting part. Like, oh, it's healthy to do and get, get rid of, lose some weight. But he says, and your efforts in these endeavors will be a sorry thing because they will be fruitless, right? So fasting is not a hunger strike against God. It's not like, God, I am not eating until you give me what I want. And God's like, I got all the time in the world. So <laughs> hope you're not hungry, right? Because sometimes I think people want to use it that way, right? Because we want God to cooperate or bend to your demands, right? Instead, though, fasting should be used as an attack against your flesh, to deny the self its passions and desires. Right? Because when we find ourselves under the cross of Jesus, right, we are carrying our cross daily. We are becoming more and more like Jesus. Because maybe these things we want to get rid of have a hold on us. And so we need to say, I need to get rid of this. And so that's your cross to bear until you can figure out how to get rid of it. Then you've got to pick up a new one. But right, we can get rid of that one. Right, and as we are doing this, right, we are discovering what we truly need. Right? We are discovering, I don't need this. I can live without that. I can live temporarily without that. I can live at least with less of this. I can be happy with two Oreos versus ten Oreos. Right? Because, again, it all comes back to food. But that's what you can, you figure this out through these processes, right? And we're just developing our spirit. We're developing our discipline as we do it. Because nobody, very few people, I'll say, go out and run a marathon like, hey, I want to run a marathon today. And they just go do it. And I haven't trained ever. I just go do it, right? And the very, very few people, like less than 1% could do that and pull it off and not die. Right? The rest of us have to work up to that. 26.2 miles is pretty far to just say I want to do that, right? So fasting for 40 days is a pretty far marathon if you're just going to do it today. So just do a couple days, right? Because... Fast without your phone, right? Fast without social media. Fast without um, maybe talking to somebody who's toxic. Fast these things that are bothering your life. Because the one thing we can never live without, though, is God. Right? The one thing we can never be without is God because he is the living water. He is the living bread. He is the one that satisfies us. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So our lives should be mirroring as close as to him as we can. All right, so as we sing our last couple songs, as we go out this week, think about what maybe you need to give up or you would like to give up or maybe something you just want to not do anymore. Think about how you can fast either with, you know, fasting with food or fasting with these things, right? So let's go ahead and stand as we get ready to sing Change My Heart.